0: Today in episode 88, I'm going to be talking about what happens when your marriage isn't perfect. Yesterday, Michael and I celebrated 37 years of marriage. Now, when I got married, I thought that my marriage was going to be perfect. The message that I got from Oprah, who was on every day at the time, and everyone else was that if it wasn't... I should kick him out or take the kids and leave and start a new life. Really, that's the message that I got. Now, in my Catholic faith, I knew that marriage was forever. So the way I reconciled that was that my husband needed to be perfect because our marriage was supposed to be forever. (laughs) And I couldn't kick him out and I couldn't leave. So I had what I mentioned in a previous episode, that husband manual. All the things he was supposed to do and say and behave and all the ways that he needed to show up so that our marriage could indeed last forever. Now, of course, I thought I knew all the ways I needed to show up, but I didn't. So I didn't listen to Oprah or anyone else for that matter. I did listen to my faith, which said that my marriage is forever and I'm glad that I did. I thought it might be a little interesting for you to hear a little more about my marriage. So Michael and I met in college. I was a senior, he was a second year law student, and actually we had kind of known of each other before we officially met. Um, he did not like me because he thought I was a big flirt because I had dated some of the guys in his dorm. And I did not like him because he did not succumb to my flirtations. So <laughs> we, um, we didn't have a great start. But then a couple years later, we met, again, my senior year, his second year of law school. And um, it was just the right time. And we met at Senior Bar. And I walked out of there. I was actually on another date with someone else. And we walked out and I said to my girlfriend who was with us, I think I'm going to marry that guy. And she's like, no, you don't even have a date with him. And I said, oh, don't worry about that. So then he made me wait two weeks before he called me for a date. And I was so ticked off. I'm like, who does that? Who meets and hits it off? And then you don't even call them for two weeks. Well, anyway, we did start dating and six weeks after we met, we started talking about getting married. It was so against everything I ever did in my entire life. I'm a planner. And so I know today what I'm doing in three days from now. I'm, it's just who I am. Everything is planned out. And all of a sudden, here's this guy and I'm talking about marriage. It was really the first time I had an understanding of God's will, because that's the only way I could explain it, was this must be what God wants from me, because I was really convinced that we were supposed to get married. We both had the same values of faith and family, but we each came from very different backgrounds that influenced us. We married while he was still in law school, and I taught second grade, making $10,500 a year. We had next to nothing. If my parents didn't give it to us, we probably didn't have it. (laughs) After a year and a half, Michael was hired at a prestigious law firm, and he worked 60 to 80 hour weeks. We thought it was our dream, but it turned out to be the beginning of a nightmare. I was lonely at home with small children, and he was lonelier, surrounded by people who didn't hold his same values. And he missed me and the kids. He missed us so much. Lonely people aren't happy. And for the next 25 years, we worked through what so many others work through. Job termination, near bankruptcy, stage 3 colon cancer for Michael, serious health issues with our children, making choices that didn't serve our relationship, stress, uncertainty, lack of communication and fear. We did have glorious times in between all of that. We had beautiful times with our children. We laughed, we loved, but I think sometimes we look back and only see the hard times and no one ever wants to talk about the hard times. So when we're in the midst of them, we think there's something unusual about our relationship. Something defective about our relationship. Michael and I would argue, and we would crush each other's spirit in our arguing. And there were years when we couldn't get those Hallmark cards because we weren't feeling it. We had mistrust and selfishness and self-centeredness. And yet we loved, and our children brought us tremendous happiness, and we had really good times. And I think it's important to talk about the concept of 50-50. Brooke Castillo talks about this concept where life is kind of a 50-50. You're going to have great happy times and you're going to have very sad and lonely and discouraging times. That is life. And we have to keep ourselves at a high elevation in order to see the good and the struggles. Oftentimes, we focus so much on the struggles that we forget the good. We don't come into our marriage in the state of perfection. In fact, marriage is the journey to perfection. We each, Michael and I, had to learn patience and temperance, humility, generosity, kindness, and politeness. I had to learn to see Michael as God sees him, imperfect yet lovable and full of hope and desire for the good. Thirty years ago, I was introduced to the teachings of St. Jose Maria Escriva. And one thing that struck me, that actually changed my life, was understanding that marriage is a vocation, it's a call, a call from God, and it is my path. To sanctity. God gave me this man to be my husband, to bring him to God and God to him. And I need to ask myself, how do I answer that call? How do I show up for my husband? Because the truth is that while we'd like to think that marriage is a path to sanctity for our husband, the true answer is that it is a path for our sanctity in the way we show up for our husband, in who we are in the way we answer this divine call. It's a path for each of us to bring each other to God, but also to challenge ourselves to become closer to God. When we gave each other our rings at our wedding, we wrote short vows to each other. And Michael's was a typical Michael. He's, he's a big thinker. And part of what he said was, He wanted to lay down his life for me and at the time I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds so noble and big, but I doubt that's going to be happening. But actually, that is what's supposed to happen in our relationship. We're supposed to lay down our life for our friends, for our spouse, for our children. Do you lay down your life for your husband? Do you let go of your opinions, your will? your expectations, or maybe that husband manual of how he should think or act or what he should say? Do you love your husband unconditionally? That's laying down your life for your husband. And Michael has done that. When you lay down your life for your husband, you forget about yourself in a good way, not in the way society wants to tell you is unhealthy. But actually, you stop being selfish. You forgive and you learn to forget. You don't isolate yourself in motherhood phone busyness. You don't put walls around yourself. You accept your husband and you're generous. And you don't compare yourself to others and their family. I guarantee you anything that you're seeing on social media is a curated version of their life. Everyone I know has had tremendous suffering in their life in one form or another. It's our commitment to laying down our life for our friend and to loving unconditionally that will create our happiness. We made the decision that divorce was never an option Now, if there's abuse of any kind involved, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But for us, divorce was never an option. And we had to have that commitment because I'm sorry to say, there were many days where one or both of us wanted out. It was hard. The changes that we had to make for ourselves was hard. What we think marriage ought to be or should be, profoundly influences what our marriage is or can become. I encourage you to choose what you want and love yourself enough to make the decisions that gives you the life you want. I can 100% guarantee you that fulfilling your decision of what you want out of marriage is going to take tremendous sacrifice. Marriage is a marathon. You spend years and years training to cross the finish line together. There are times you want to give up. There are days you just cry because it's so hard. And if you don't have your end goal in mind, you will give up. My end goal was that I wanted a marriage that was based on trust and integrity, where we worked things out without resorting to addictions or distractions to make us feel better. I wanted to be 59 or 69 or 79 and still married and more in love than when I was 22. I wanted our relationship to be God-centered and God-dependent because I knew we could humanly not succeed without him. And at 37 years, I am here to tell you that is definitely true. I wanted a large, happy, creative family that knew how to have fun together, stay close as friends, and yet challenge each other to be better. I wanted to catch my husband's eye in public and still feel my heart skip. Your thoughts about your marriage and your husband will create your results. I wish I had the understanding and mastery of self-coaching and the knowledge of how my thoughts influenced my emotions and my actions. I wish I had that when I was young. I wish I knew I could choose different thoughts along the way when arguments came up rather than giving in to emotions like fear, doubt, and loneliness. You can decide what kind of relationship you want with your husband. You decide how far and how long you fight to achieve what you want, your end goal. Don't give in to the temptation that yours is the only marriage that has sufferings. Again, please hear me and know that all marriages do, even those marriages of those 70, 80-year-old couples walking hand in hand. Yes, all marriages have suffering. It's how you think and feel and act on the sufferings that will deepen your relationship or destroy it. I want to help you realize your dreams you had when you were first married. Today, take a minute or five and write down all the things you love about your husband and your marriage. If today is a difficult day in your marriage, it may take some time to dig deep in your brain to find those things but dig deep, they're there. And release yourself from your resentments and unmet expectations. Look at your husband with the eyes of love and commit to him again, your vocation, your call to love and honor him and to bring him to heaven. It's really true that sacrifice makes the joy sweeter. Michael and I appreciate each other more than ever. And we appreciate the changes we each have made, the dying to ourselves to bring about the joy we experience now with each other. We are each other's best friend. I wish that for you. Happy 37th anniversary to my dear husband, who is so sweet. He's not a woman nor a mom, and yet he listens to all my podcasts. Together, we are further along that path to sanctity than when we were starry-eyed 20-something-year-olds. If you need someone to help you work through issues in your marriage, let me know. I can help. Email me at janet at com. Okay, starting next Tuesday, I'm going to do a series of bonus episodes on coaching on what it means to be coached, how coaching can help you, and also to give you the tools to help you self-coach. It has been a game changer and like I said earlier in this podcast, I wish I had known about this because it would have eliminated so many arguments and so many misunderstandings and so much resentment. So look for that on Tuesday. There'll be a bonus episode, and then my regular episode will be on Thursday, and I'm back on track. Okay, everybody, take care and have a good week. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.